Welcome to Streams of Income with self-help author Ryan Rieger. For the next hour, you'll hear proven methods for how to live the multiple income streams dream. Ryan is passionate about helping others discover their gifts and start their own business. He's published five books, and his courses and group coaching programs have changed the lives of thousands of students all over the world. Ryan's books include Private Label, The Easy Way, Finding Your Grace Place, and his latest, Streams of Income. And now, here's your host, Ryan Rieger. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and you do not want to miss today's episode. I'm chatting with my friend, Eric Olson, who is the president of Dignity Coconuts. Eric had his first business at the age of 18, a painting company, and allowed him to pay his way through business school debt-free. He's done humanitarian work all over the world. And in 2012, he joined Dignity Coconuts to launch their very first product, which is raw coconut oil. And they're doing some really, really cool things. They're transforming communities and allowing, providing jobs for people in the Philippines with coconuts. And it's an awesome product. He's got an awesome story. If you have a heart to do something with your business that is uh, helping people at the same time. You feel God's direction that way. You're going to want to listen to this episode. And even if you don't, you're going to love his story of uh, how Dignity Coconuts is transforming communities, getting people out of poverty and doing some really neat things. So here's my interview with Eric. Eric, welcome to Streams of Income Radio. Appreciate you being on with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to sharing your story with my audience. I I just uh, got to know you just recently. And so this is going to be fun to share what you guys do. So tell me about the Dignity Coconut story, how you guys got started and all of that. Yeah. So our business started in a very different place than most businesses. Uh, Ours came out of a conviction that we wanted to stop sex trafficking in, in this part of Asia. And we had seen sex trafficking just happen so much. And we had really fought against it. Uh, kind of on a nonprofit level, mm-hmm. but more and more as we were fighting against this large evil giant, uh, we just started realizing we needed to do more than just um, these kind of nonprofits efforts that we were doing. And the statistic that really got us was 80% of the women that are pulled out of sex trafficking end up back in that terrible industry again. Wow. And the big reason is because they don't have a, a job. Um, mm. It's the reason they're often trafficked in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's often the reason that they get sucked back into it and yeah. or sold back into it. Wow. Wow. So you, you had, you saw that need and thought, how can we help essentially? And that's how it was born. Yeah. We, we oh thought we, we've got to do more. And, you know, we had a few other people kind of in this nonprofit space that were saying, uh, hey, let's create jobs and uh, to, to solve this. But at best, we were seeing people, you know, make purses or jewelry or handicrafts uh, and just selling them in the back of a church. And we thought this just isn't isn't scalable. Right. You know, yeah. To this today, this morning, thir- over thirty million women and children woke up without the ability to choose what they'll do or who touches mm. their body. Oh my gosh. And wow. that we, we kept just w- comparing that to seeing a dozen or two dozen women making these things and thought, this isn't making a dent even. Now, t- 
to back up, we celebrate one woman getting out. You know, it's, it's all worth it for just one woman. But still, just on a business level, we thought we, there's got to be a way to figure out how to make this scalable so we can really make a, an impact. Yes. Wow. I saw that video. I was on your site earlier today, kind of just poking around and saw a video where you guys went to, and you guys are in the Philippines that your company is and yeah. it's Dignity Coconuts. You guys went there and it wasn't like, Hey, we're the smart business people. We're going to tell you how it's done. You guys came there and said, how can we help you? What's low, what's natural? You asked, you, you basically asked for their input and advice to make this come about, didn't you? Yeah. You know, as Americans, we love telling people what to do. Uh, you know, whenever we see a problem, you know, it's like we, we have ideas of, of how to solve it, you know, before we ask any questions. I mean, I know that's, uh, you know, the case with me <laughs> still even, you know, that's probably my biggest problem in our marriage right now is, you know, <laughs> my wife has a problem and, oh man, I got a solution before you can finish your sentence. But, you know, and, and but I think, you know, I, over the years of kind of working with the poor, what we just realized is over and over again, when we came, you know, when we saw a problem and we just thought, oh, I got this solution, you know, and we kind of often came with these cookie cutter solutions, things mm -hmm. that oftentimes it didn't give us the desired result. And oftentimes it wasn't sustainable or it created dependency uh, or there were just pieces that we were missing. We, we had blind spots or there parts of the culture or there are reasons why that they were stuck or this was happening or that, mm -hmm. that we didn't realize because we didn't dig down deeper and yeah. we didn't realize there was a systemic problem that was kind of keeping them in poverty. Mm. Um, like for example, you know, we, we were talking with this coconut farmer in the Philippines mm -hmm. and we'd, we'd asked him, we'd met, we were talking about coconut pricing and things like that. Mm -hmm. And at the end, we just happened to say, Hey, tell me, what are your biggest hopes and dreams for your life? And we thought he would talk about education for his children mm -hmm. or building uh, a home that could withstand a typhoon. Cause you know, these NEPA huts get, get toppled over all the yeah. time. Yeah. And he said to us, my biggest hope in life is that my children will not inherit my debt. Oh my gosh. Wow. And yeah. it, that put us on this journey of realizing what's this current coconut industry like? And really one, it's a monopoly. And so they have corrupt pricing that, uh, that keeps, keeps these farmers in poverty. Okay. And two, they offer these predatory loans to, to the farmers that keep them in cycles of debt and they can just mm -hmm. never get out. And so there's really this exploitation that's happening to coconut farmers that um, that that was really the below the surface that that's yeah. that and we needed to address that. So we were trying to so we started asking how can we um, how can we help these farmers who are really trapped in the system that's working against mm -hmm. them? And that's where we came up with this idea of you know what if we connect the farmers to the end consumer. Yeah. directly and leave them out of this whole series of monopoly middlemen uh, mm -hmm. that, that are really exploiting them. Wow. Did so, you, any of you in your company have any coconut farming experience or coconut oil production <laughs> experience? No, none of us. <laughs> wow. We, at one point, we, we had a guy that, that had some agriculture you know, okay. experience, but we were learning all of this. Yeah, all of this from scratch. Wow. Oh, my gosh.
That's what that sounds like a gargantuan effort that would be like um, for me, it sounds like that would just be a miracle for that to take off if it, if I was in charge of that. Like, okay, plant me in the Philippines. Um, I know you're in you're back home in Minnesota now, but like you know, put me in the Philippines and say, okay, you got all these trees and you gotta figure out how to make coconut oil from this. Like, oh Lord, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I would say Google's been our, our best teacher. <laughs> wow. Man, so how many people do you guys employ? Uh, we have 121 uh, workers at our facility and 153 farmer families that we contract with. So tell me about some of the families that you guys are able to touch, because this doesn't just touch just those 153 farmer families and all your employees. This goes throughout that whole community because of the, the wealth that you're able to create there, right? Yeah, it you're really, going to buy it, jars from somewhere, and you know, just all the other other, you know, you're provide, you've got to buy elect, pay electricity. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it's really been amazing to see how how this community has really changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, we're only employing you know a, a fraction of the area, but it's had a big uh, residual impact on on wow. the rest of the community. And um, in, in one way is it's a lot of other small businesses have popped up. And this mm-hmm. one was kind of surprising. You know, we thought, you know, hey, with every person we're employing, you know, it's going to help that whole family, you know, the whole family unit is going to get better. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to see families that, you know, they've gone from a Nipa hut to a cinder block home, wow. or, you know, they've had, they went from dirt floors to now having, having concrete floors, you know, all of that's really exciting to see this kind of development on a family to family basis. Um, or, you know, sorry to keep, keep adding to it, it, you know, putting their kids into school, um, you know, the, the education through high school in this area is, is free, but they have to pay for their uniforms and their supplies. Mm -hmm. And for many families, they can't even afford that. So seeing that happen where their kids can go to school, they can pay for the fees Mm -hmm. and exciting. We're now seeing families send their kids to college in an area where less than 1% uh, are able to have any kind of post high school education, wow. whether that's, you know, trade school or one college class uh-huh. at a community college or something like that. Now to see so many people saying their kids to college is really exciting, but <laughs> back to your question, you know, so on a family level, it's exciting, but then to see the, the community really see some changes exciting. We saw a, a health clinic pop up for the first time. Uh, it, it's just 30 minutes away from our plant. Uh, you know, we saw a, well, a restaurant popped up right across our facility because the guy saw a business opportunity because yes. all of our workers left for lunch and went home. Right. So, you know, he started his own little business. Smart. And then, you know, there was a, you know, a guy, you know, a couple of doors down from our plant that he saw us traveling an hour and a half to go get, uh, construction materials. And so he started his own little, con- you know, construction materials company. Wow. And we started buying from him because it was convenient. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so we've seen a few dozen of these businesses kind of mm-hmm. pop up in the area <laughs> because there's economic development happening. Yes. Just, just to paint a picture for you. Um, we are in the poorest region of the Philippines and the Philippines is still a, you know, pretty developing country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the location, the city we're in is really in the middle of the jungle. Uh, it's wow. on the, on, on the coast. We're about 200 yards away from, from the ocean. I bet it's gorgeous. <laughs> it, it is. It's very gorgeous. It, you know, it looks, looks like it's something. It doesn't look like movie. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, in terms of you know the logistics and things, it's 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 been really hard. When we first decided to put our plant there, it was dirt roads, and you had wow. to forge seven rivers. And so it, you can imagine, you know, if you're living in that area and you break your leg, mm-hmm. and you're told, okay, you're going to get on the back of this motorbike, mm-hmm. and you know we're going to drive on this bumpy dirt road. We're going to forge seven rivers. And hopefully in four hours, we'll get you to the hospital. You're probably going to think, you know what? I'll just take my chances. <laughs> exactly. And so to see now we have, you know, we convinced the governor to, to pave 56 kilometers of, wow. uh, you know, reinforced concrete uh-huh. roads, two lane highway um, to see this, these like the clinic pop up, to see these yeah. businesses pop up, to see buses and transportation where people didn't have access to transportation. Mm -hmm. All this has been like, it really exciting for the community. Wow. That's amazing. Really, really cool. So so anybody, is there any stories? I know that I saw on your website, you guys sign each of the jars. I mean, not you, but your, your employees do, which is really, really cool. Do you have any, um, any stories that you're at Liberty to share about any certain person that's there? There, you know, what this has saved them from, or just a testimonial from one of your employees. that's really neat that you like to share. Yeah. So this is, this is our product. If you're on video, yeah. you can see it. this the is Connie. our product. And, and yeah, this one was, was signed by Connie. I, I, I know Connie, but um, I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a couple stories. Yeah. So let me tell you about Arnold. Uh, he's our electrical engineer okay. and he went through our training on like personal finance, savings, good versus bad loans. Mm-hmm. And um, so he started getting this idea of, you know, not only am I employee, but what if I started saving and start a small store with my wife? Mm. So they started and they just had a few items. I mean, think, sure. you know, really small store. Mm-hmm. And, um, but every week they just put aside a portion of, of their money and, uh, and put it into merchandise. It grew so much that uh-huh. just this last year, he was able to buy a minivan used, but a minivan wow. so that he could transport goods from the bigger city to uh-huh. his store. And that's just exciting, you know, yes. especially because, um, I think the greatest evil of poverty is the loss of hope. Mm. we, I think for us Americans, uh, it's kind of hard to think this way because we think of poverty in terms of things and, and material possessions and what you don't have. But really, for the, when you ask people in poverty to describe poverty, they, they, mm. use, they use words that we wouldn't think of, like the loss of hope, mm. shame. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, and so I think for, for guys like Arnold to, to, to dream again, Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. oh wow like my life could be very different than it is yes. for me and for my family and me is is pretty wow. exciting um i'll tell you another story um it, angeline uh, she's one of our workers on the production line she makes her our virgin coconut oil mm-hmm. she helped us do a, what we call a baseline survey because a lot of nonprofit organizations everybody kind of has their poster child of stories of you know people that it have, you know, uh, that have a changed life, but we wanted to know really statistically, like, are we making an impact or we, do we just have a couple anecdotal stories that sound good? Right. Um, and, and so we did this baseline survey and, and then after that survey, when we kind of found out some of the real core issues and needs in the community, 
we, we started developing this team of people that we called health, uh, community health education, mm-hmm. where they would go out and do some, do some education on different items, mm-hmm. um, like uh, health, diet, hygiene, some mm-hmm. simple things like that, and really help the community understand things. So uh, we asked her, um, you know, to get involved in some of these things. And she came back and she, she was just beaming uh, at some of the impact that she, we've had on her community. Yeah. And one day she wrote us this handwritten note. Uh-huh. She said, my life is so bright. Mm. My child can now go to high school. Yeah. I have new hope for my family. I no longer fight with my husband. Wow. I'm no longer addicted to gambling. I have confidence. I'm always smiling now and, and helping others. I can't fully explain the overflowing joy that's happening mm. in my life right now. Wow. Not, not just for me, but the whole community. And she said, thanks for giving us dignity. Oh my which goodness. Is exactly why we named our company that, because uh, we feel like, you know, we're not just, we're not giving handouts. We're yes. really coming alongside people as they work themselves out of poverty. Yeah. And that is in, in the process that really gives people dignity that mm-hmm. they did it. They, they were the main, they were the hero of their story. Yes. Wow. What would these folks like Arnold and you said, Josephine, Angel- Angeline, Angeline, what would they be doing if dignity coconuts wasn't there? What kind of jobs do, do these people do? Or are they just like, you know, like, tell me some of the, what you've you know allowed them to not have to be a part of. Obviously, you, you talk about sex trafficking. That's a big thing. But like, if yeah. you know folks that aren't in that, you know, what are what are what are dads, you know, like you and I, what are they doing in that area of the Philippines um, that aren't working at Dignity Coconuts, or if you had never even gotten there? Yeah, most are living hand to mouth, and so they're they're coconut farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be rice farmers, or they're yeah. fishermen. Um, yeah. But even that, there's just, it's usually not a lot enough to live on. And so yeah. a lot of times what happens is they, they get contracts to work in faraway places. Yep. So they'll, you know, either hundreds of miles away in the Philippines, or they'll get contracts to work in other places, often the Arabian Peninsula. Yeah. And, um, and really, you know, we'd, you know, when we've, uh, we'd been involved in this area for a while, our, our co-founder, especially and built an orphanage, a high school, mm-hmm. thinking that really education was the key to helping this whole community out of poverty. And as these graduates were, uh, you know, were coming out of this with a great education, we started at best, they were getting a job in another country or something like that. But at worst, oftentimes they were exploited, abused Mm. in the process of looking for a job or at worst, uh, getting caught in in sex trafficking in desperate search for a job. Yeah. Yeah, that was was part of our beginnings and and we wanted to change that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You and I on our last call, we talked about the overseas foreign workers. Uh, One of my VAs who didn't see her dad for, you know, only except for three times in 18 years. So she's one of those that would have been affected or was affected by, you know, just the fact that he had economic, did not have economic opportunity where he lived. So he had to go, I think it was either Saudi Arabia or United Arab Emirates um, to work. So yeah, you're right. That's amazing what you guys are doing there. Incredible. Um, So it's, I was on your website too, just looking around at the coconuts. What's a hundred, just tell me about your product because obviously, you know, your story is amazing. People are going to get excited about, you know, being able to send 
dollars. Everybody buys coconut oil. Might as well buy it from you guys because of what your story of it, but it's not just any old coconut oil, is it? No. So we looked at how coconut oil is made and actually we were looking at buying a plant uh, that already made coconut oil. And the more and more we looked into, okay, how do you actually do it? What's the machinery that's, that's involved? Mm-hmm. We started thinking this can't be the best way. Almost everybody uses high heat in the process of making their mm-hmm. coconut oil because mm-hmm. it separates that milk from the oil. Mm-hmm. And um, we started saying, is there a better way? We looked at the olive oil industry and found that in the olive oil industry, the best olive oil uses what's called a centrifuge. So G- mm-hmm. they use G-force to mm-hmm. separate um, kind of the different particles. And yeah. we tried it on the coconut cream uh-huh. and we were amazed. It tasted better. It didn't have that strong burnt flavor that a lot of the coconut oil has. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it was smoother on the skin. So for people that use it on their skin or hair, yeah. um, okay. it was just smoother it, yeah. it, and nicer. It didn't have the strong smell to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it's because we don't use any heat, it has, it's packed with way more nutrients than the stuff that's been kind of boiled to death. Sure. Um, and so it's more nutrient dense. And so that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, we found we were able to create a better coconut oil uh, mm-hmm. that um, other, you know, it's not really on the, on the market. Yeah. So, so what's left? Yeah, Tell me about the coconuts themselves. We, we eat a lot of coconuts here, not the actual raw product, but like we use a lot of coconut oil, a lot of coconut milk and coconut cream. Um, when we make smoothies, what's the difference between like, what's when you make coconut oil, is there anything what's left of the actual coconut? And I also saw that you guys use all of it. Like you're able to even take the husks and use those as like peat for soil. And so it's like, nothing goes to waste. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to find a use for for each of the products and really add more and more value, especially for these coconut farmers. Mm-hmm. We we wanted to to utilize all parts of the the coconut. So, yeah, we have the coconut oil, and then of mm-hmm. course the coconut water, which is kind of your natural Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the coconut milk, which is this dairy free alternative. You know, a lot of people. You know, I'm I've become lactose intolerant myself mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And two of my kids are lactose intolerant. Um, so more and more people are kind of trained dairy-free, you know, voluntarily or involuntary. Uh, and then, yeah, that shell of the coconut, we figured out if we grind that up into a powder, uh, you can use it in renewable plastics. And we discovered with a partnership we had with uh, Texas A&M uh, that it can, you can use it in 3D printing ink no way. to make, well, it's, I think it's called filament, uh, 3D yeah. printing filament it makes it stronger and lighter. Um, Mm. so yeah, exciting uses. Of course, you know, know, that coconut shell is really, really solid. And so it's, it's quite amazing that it has some good properties. Yeah. It increases the tensile strength. And then, yeah, we take the the outer husk Uh and, um, that can be used to make erosion control blankets. Uh, is a great soil conditioner. If you go to home Depot or or Lowe's, you know, you'll see these blocks of cocoa peat. Okay. uh, it's, it's a great soil conditioner wow. and, or if you look in Scott's, um, soil conditioner blend, one of the many things that you'll find, you know, in the palm of your hand is, is a, uh, is cocoa peat because it absorbs 10 times its weight in water. Wow. So when you guys make coconut oil is anything and forget, I don't know this process because I'm not a, not in the production of coconut. So forgive me, this is a dumb question, but when you make the coconut oil, is it, can you still make coconut is there anything left for coconut milk or coconut cream or is that a whole different product that is 
like you'd have to choose one or the other. Um, no, you can, you can use these different, all these different products. Uh, you don't have, have to choose between them. Interesting. Um, what do you guys do with the, like the you, coconut milk and the coconut cream that's left after that? Do you, are you able to sell that locally or your workers back there eating coconut, <laughs> coconut cream, making smoothies? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still developing the, the production lines for those. So right now our employees are enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to go to Philip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, drink. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll give you a gallon jug. You can drink as much as you want. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, for people who are a lot of the coconut water, if you're into coconut water, yeah. uh, those that water, especially the really sweet kind, comes from younger coconuts. Uh, okay, these are coconuts that are like nine months old versus the coconuts we use are around ten or eleven months old. Okay, and that you do have to make a choice if you're going to use the young coconuts. Uh, it it is hard because if you use the water, nothing else is usable. The shell's yeah. useless. Got the, it. the meat is useless. You can't make cream out of it. You can't make anything out of it. And so mm-hmm. we've, a lot of people have asked us, Hey, you know, why don't you sell the, this young coconut water? It's sweeter uh-huh. I, it, to which we say our value for the earth, you know, just says it's just not, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so our coconut water doesn't taste as good and uh, we're okay with that. And, uh, you know, we may, even though I, I'm kind of against the idea, we may have to add sweeteners or things like that to it yeah. to, to have it be a bit more palatable. But um, that that's the one big choice that a lot of coconut companies have to make. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you guys are selling the oil and doing really well at that. You're in 1200 stores. Yeah. That's incredible. It, yeah. it's wow. been, It's been a hustle. We, you yeah. know, we kind of thought, you know, Hey, if, if we make this really uniquely better product uh-huh. and, and have this uh, authentic, like it's a real story. Like we're really making a big impact. This isn't yeah. just, you know, some of our competitors will talk about, you know, things that they're doing and it's like, Oh, give me a, break. <laughs> you know, we've been by your plant. We know your employees. We know how much you pay your farmers. Like, come on. <laughs> but, um, Right. You know, we, we just kind of thought if we do, if we make a really fantastic product and have mm-hmm. an authentic story of really yeah. doing good in the world yeah. that, uh, you know, people just be knocking on our doors to tell yeah. our story on social media or in the media or mm-hmm. to take, you know, get our product in, into different stores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we're just naive. It, it's every single store that we're in. It's uh-huh. because we hustled. Wow. And, uh, and it's because we, you know, we really worked hard to get in these stores. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of these buyers, you know, it, they just want to know, are you going to make me profit? Uh, yes. Which it, that's understandable. You know, that, sure. that's, that's where a lot of people are in their business journey. It's, yeah. it's just about the one bottom line. Absolutely. So it, it, it's been hard. Yeah. I see. I'm looking at your jar right now online and I'm going to, I want to read this side of it because that would be something that would set you apart. If I'm in a, a store, let's say I'm in Walmart and I see, you know, just the regular, uh, what's the brand that, uh, I don't even know. We don't buy our coconut oil of a Walmart, but you might see two different kinds. Yours says freedom from injustice. This you got your jar is really cool, but has lots of things on it. But one of them, it says, um, after years of nonprofit work in Southeast Asia, we were outraged by systems of injustice that trap families in poverty and sex trafficking. We partner, partner with locals to create a way out. Our holistic approach provides jobs, education, clean water, and direct trade. Enjoying this jar of coconut oil offers families freedom from injustice and restores their hope with dignity. So as long as they, as long as somebody picks it up and looks at that, that's going to catch some eyes, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. We hope so. That's really good. Real quick. We didn't, I didn't ask you about going this route. I want to ask you a quick question um, about, uh, cause I have a lot of people in my community that have private label products and they would love to be in 1200 stores. Obviously it's a hustle. Can you give any insight or advice, quick tips of like, you know, how does somebody even approach a retail store if they have a product that they want to get, get in there? Yeah. I, I think one of the big things is, is how do you get noticed? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you really kind of have to do your research on who is the buyer. Yeah. Um, you know, on, in retail, what often happens is the buyer actually changes every few years. And that's kind of on purpose because uh, you don't want a buyer to have kind of this like insider trading, you know, with certain right. products where, where they get a kickback or, sure. or just because they like that vendor or something like that. And so they, mm-hmm. on purpose, they, they'll switch, switch buyers, uh, you know, throughout, over the course of a few years. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to figure out who is the buyer for my category. Yeah. Um, you know, our category is, is oils. Uh, and sometimes it's like we're mixed in with dressings or other enhancers. Mm-hmm. And so figure out who is the current buyer, uh, you know, what are they looking for? And then also, you know, just doing your homework on like, go to, go to the stores and see mm-hmm. what do they, what do they have on the shelf? Go to a few stores. Cause not every store has the same, what's called a planogram. Yeah. It's not the same set of products at each one. Some of the bigger stores or more affluent stores will have different selections. So sure. you need to kind of do your research to see, hey, what are they currently stocking? And to see where's my fit? You know, what's yeah. my play here? Yeah. Um, what what's my ask gonna be? You know, am I asking, hey, I think this product that you have, this brand that you that you're selling, they're underperforming and we can beat it. And mm. so take take them off the shelf to yeah. and put me on. Because that's usually the case. If, if they're going to put you on the shelf, usually, unless you're in a growing category, they're taking somebody else off and, wow. and they're crushing somebody else's dreams. Are you giving, so, are you giving, like, are, are you able, are, when you're going to them, are you saying take off XYZ companies um, because they're underperforming or you let them make that decision or you kind of nudging them so toward a certain route? Uh, I, I, it depends on the buyer. Sure. Uh, you, usually we're kind of talking about our product and talking yeah. about how, how we're positioned uniquely. Yeah. But, you know, I definitely, I definitely need, want to be clear that, sure. you know, this, these other brands uh, and, and where they stand. And, um, and in some cases I will say, you know, I, I think you'll, you'll do better having ours than, yeah. you know, this, this other brand here. Sure. There. Yeah. That's awesome. But like so, you said, just a lot of hustle, 1200 stores. That's crazy. Once you, yeah. I bet it ha- helps like once you get one inked and get one contract and you can go to the next one and say, Hey, we're in this store here. And that probably, I would imagine elevates your status in the buyer's mind that, Oh, this other store picked you up. So yeah. it makes it easier on them because you're not, so you're not And That first one's probably the hardest I would imagine. Yeah, that, that was, you know, we were in a, a few small mom and pop stores. Of course we had an online store sure. and, um, and Amazon, but then we, um, when we were getting more and more into brick and mortar, we, we got, it was actually, it was, it was a pretty miraculous meeting that we got with, mm. uh, with Meyer here mm-hmm. in the Midwest yeah. area. Yeah. And uh, when they took us on, that really kind of gave us brand validation Yes, uh, that when we went to these other stores, they, you know, they said, well, you know, you guys are really small potatoes, you know, you know, where else are, are you in? And we'd say, oh, we're in Meyer," And they'd say, oh, oh okay. Wait a well, second. Yeah. <laughs> you must have your stuff together. So, yes. so that, that definitely helped us. And, and I, I'd give that as good advice to others to yeah. get kind of an anchor store 
yes. that re- really validates your brand. So, yeah. you know, Costco or yeah. a major chain that's really respectable in the yeah. food industry. Have you been in Costco before? I know they change yeah, their inventory but, all the time. But yeah, we'd like to. Yeah. We haven't approached awesome. them yet, but yeah, we're going to. You'd have to sell your hundred, your, your gallon jars there because they wouldn't probably take the 15 <laughs> ounce one. Or it'd be a multi-pack of four 15 ounce. <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw an interview one time from the co- the guy who founded Costco and he said, do you know why we don't sell one jar of aspirin? It's because people would buy it. So <laughs> that's why they, why you have to get two, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we go through a lot of coconut oil. So I, I know you're sending me one, but I might end up be buying the gallon because that's, uh, that's how much we, we go, we use it to cook all the time. That's pretty much yeah. all we use is coconut oil. <laughs> yeah. My, both my kids are black and, uh, we, we are surprised. We are trying to learn like, how do, what do you do with black hair right. and black skin? How do you take care of it properly? And uh-huh. we're watching these YouTube videos of people saying, now there's thing called coconut oil. <laughs> and it is the best for hair and skin. Just, just head to toe. Just do your yeah. coconut oil. And my wife and I were like, no way. We That's have a coconut awesome. oil company. <laughs> very, very so, cool. And I imagine yeah. because yours is better, it also is better for applying to your skin and hair than it, and even than other products as well. Yeah, it does have better absorption because yeah. it's it's raw. Yeah. Uh, it, wow. it hasn't lost a lot of those benefits. But okay. yeah, you know, just just real quickly, if you don't know about it, coconut oil on skin, mm-hmm. um, it is it does have an SPF uh, mm-hmm. value of I think it's at four, so it's not a lot. But you know, mm-hmm. if you keep reapplying it, it is helpful against the sun, mm-hmm. um, and then it's also an antimicrobial too. And mm-hmm. so. Uh, for for a while, actually, a lot of when remember when hand sanitizer was out of stock yes. at stores, yes. we had a bunch of people that they were using coconut oil. It didn't protect a hundred percent, but it, it is an antimicrobial, and it also helps with like wounds, healing wounds. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of companies now that they'll sell you band aids with coconut oil. Interesting. Uh, on the gauze because it in it helps the uh, wounds heal faster. So wow. a lot of a lot of good benefits uh, topically for coconut oil yeah. as well. Funny story there. My uh, my son's four, and we put hand sanitizer sometimes on him after he go into a store, and he hates it because he always I don't know why he does this, but he puts his hands in his mouth afterwards, and of course it's it tastes <laughs> disgusting. So we could do use coconut. I need to tell my wife. Let's use coconut oil for Callan because then he'll put his hands in his mouth and it all be good because it tastes good too. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then you're moisturizing his hands at the same that's time, which right. that's, that's what most people use the coconut oil for right. it topically is, is, is a moisturizer. Wow. That's cool. Well, I want to ask you one more thing and I'll let you go because I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on there. Um, people in my audience, I get, I have a lot of folks that are, they're believers and they, they want to, you know, they're making money online, but they also want to have an impact too. It's not to them. It's not just about the money. I hear people that want to, it's kind of similar to how, what you told me in our last call that we had, how they want to make money online so that they can then either quit, um, quit their job to go full-time in the ministry, or they want to have mm-hmm. extra money to give to the ministry. And so sometimes they see their business as that just something that they do for the money, but you guys are making profit and having an impact at the exact same time. Any advice for somebody who's, you know, not going to go into the jungle of the Philippines and start a coconut company, but let's say, you know, we have a smaller Amazon business and we still want to have that same impact. Any advice for those of us in that position? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we really, a lot of our convictions really came about because, you know, we were, we really had a heart for the people and we really prayed a lot about how do we, 
how do we have an impact? Um, and so I think the biggest advice I, I have is, is really, you know, is one, you know, kind of listening before acting. Uh, you know, I don't know how many, how much of your audience is Americans, but, you know, we tend to uh, want to act right away. And I think the more and more I've, I've learned is that proximity and listening are yeah. really key. Mm. And so um, taking the time to, to really research, what's it like for these people? But I, I think um, to back up a second, um, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to think about um, how, not just how do I like give away a certain pr- amount of my profit and mm-hmm. give that away. I think we've really seen um, the exponential impact when you actually marry together the best that business has to offer in terms of jobs or economic development with, you know, kind of that heart to make an impact. Yeah. And so, you know, to, so to think about like um, maybe think about your supply chain uh, and think about, okay, are there ways that I can really improve those people that are along my, the supply chain and yes. make an impact on those? Cause you're already doing business with them. And so mm-hmm. how can I make an impact? Where are these sourced from? Mm-hmm. Um, can I, can I visit that place? Can I, can I uh, go visit where I'm actually buying from? I mean, not only is that a good business decision, but that's a great way to make an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also there's, there's other ways um, thinking about like outsourcing and where, you know, where are you outsourcing? Oftentimes we think of, well, I just want to outsource and get the the cheapest, you know, VA, or I want to get the Mm -hmm. cheapest, um, you know, customer service service, uh, associate or something like that. And instead thinking, okay, is there a way that I can not just outsource this and kind of be out of my hair and the cheapest thing possible, but could I make an impact through this? Yes. Um, Have it be a good business decision, but have it be something where it's like, actually, I'm going to utilize this customer service agency because Mm -hmm. I'm going to actually go visit once a year Yes. and and I'm going to empower them or I'm going to do quarterly or monthly zoom calls where mm-hmm. I just talk about like family values yeah. or, you know, mm-hmm. how, or I, I asked them, you know, maybe even do a survey of like, Hey, what are your biggest needs for, for yeah. you? You know, uh, you know, from an HR level and then think, okay, how can I meet that? Are yeah. there ways that I can, wow. I can help in small ways to meet some of those needs. I think that's, those are some good starting places. That's good. Great advice. And lastly, not least though, is how can we get your coconut oil? Obviously your website, dignitycoconuts.com, right? Yeah. The the main place you probably want people to go to. Yeah. That, that one is the best, best for us, you know, sign up for, you know, our, our updates, you know, we send out updates like, you know, about like Angeline and people Mm -hmm. like that who are making, who are getting impact. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so our website is the best place, but you know, if you, if you, you know, if, if you're tied to Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, we're, some of our products are on Amazon. We're out of stock right now on many yeah. of our products because of <laughs> the typhoons that hit our area. But, um, and then, you know, we are in stores in the Midwest. Uh, we're in uh, Meyer Fruitful Yield. Uh, in, this, in Texas, where you are, we're in, um, oh goodness, what's it? Central Market. Awesome. And some other mo- small mon paws on the East coast. We're in yeah. giant food, stop okay. and shop places like that. So Wonderful. you can find it. You can actually, there's a locator. You can find stores on our website too. Cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much guys. Go support dignity coconuts, buy their coconut oil, 
use it. Oh, we did just yeah. launch lip balms this year. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you some of those, but yeah, these are chemical free lip balms. Uh, we have five different flavors. Okay. Uh, we figure out how to remove all those nasty toxic chemicals that most lip balms have yes. and um, make one that's totally chemical free. It, it. it is prone to, to, um, to melt a little bit more than okay. the average lip balm. Um, yeah. That's because it doesn't have those, those chemicals, but it is fantastic. And it's so much better for your lips than, than the average stuff. That's and if you're like, what if you're out of coconut oil, can you take the lip balm and put it in your pan and cook with it? <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend that, especially with our peppermint lavender right. uh, flavor. Why? That one might not go so well. Why do my pancakes taste like peppermint lavender? <laughs> but to your point, you know, uh, I think the statistic is, uh, you know, like 60% of what you put on your lips end up in your mouth. And so- yes. You know, you don't want to be having chemicals and really you could eat our, our lip balm and be fine. <laughs> or, you know, if your child gets a lip balm and eats right. the whole thing, you don't have to rush them to the ER. Exactly. That's awesome. Eric, you're a lot of fun. Thank you for being on with me. Appreciate it. Thank you for everything that you do there. And uh, let me know if there's anything I or our audience can ever do to help you other than buying your, buying your products. But thank you for the impact that you're making and for coming on my show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's been fun. All right. Talk soon. Bye. You've been listening to Streams of Income with self-help author Ryan Rieger. From right here in the Dallas Metroplex, Ryan teaches several entrepreneurial courses and group coaching programs to students all over the world. Be sure to listen next week at the same time for Streams of Income with Ryan Rieger.